This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com and your host with the most. Welcome to the smartest, funniest. What else? How, how else would you describe this podcast? Real. Genuinest. COVID proof. COVID Ooh, like proof. It. Relegation proof. Cannon Joining fodder. me, <laughs> Cannon Fodder. <laughs> Joining me, Mr. Dan Rogers from TheVillaUnderground.com. Welcome, sir. Good to be back. A great return. Thank you. And Mr. Chris Bird. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How have, you, how have you been, Mr. Rogers? It's been a few weeks. Well, you know, I, I keep busy. That that my uh, my professional life has kept me very busy with COVID. But even though that now I only wear track suits, frequent supermarkets in long two-hour queues in order that I can buy bit just beer. In my personal life, when I when I retreat into the Villa Underground bunker, I, I have become a, a neighbourhood voyeur. So I've 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 got full full notes on all of my neighbours now. Um, not but not you know, and, but I'm back to discuss the Villaverse. Have you have you ordered some binoculars from Amazon Prime yet? Yes, I've got some good peeper binoculars. <laughs> Jesus Christ, why do we have him on the show? <laughs> for, this, for, this, for this content, for this content. You work with the NHS mm. or uh, with them or uh, in them? Yeah, with them. Um, yeah. So what's what's the situation from your experience? My experience is this my first serious segment on the show? I think it yeah. possibly. Yeah. Um, my experience has been has been one of I think since since January. Um, knowing that this was pretty serious and you sort of think that it's going to be you don't want to be prophet of doom with anyone but then yeah. as things started to ramp up I think overseas the realisation that it was it was on our shores and um, I was talking off air to Chris I think that what what 
is, is, is readily lost in this is, this, is the sheer scale, because the numbers, when they get to the type of figures that we're seeing at the moment, where are we now, the, the 26th of April when we're recording this, are, are massive numbers, and I think that the impact on our society over the last three months has been huge, but what's, what's going to happen going forward is, is even more remarkable, really. It's been, it's been very, very difficult professional, professionally for me recently. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we will talk about uh, the context of this and how it applies to football and what people have kind of overlooked, because there is that sense that, you know, click of the fingers, we're up and running, football starts again, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be as simple as that. I mean, just, just quickly, uh, in a Birmingham context, mm. a lot of people have been talking about the Nightingale Hospital mm. not being used yet, but uh, the Nightingale Hospital is not somewhere where you want to end up, uh, no. put it put it that way. It's it's like something out of The, the Walking Dead or a Fear of the Walking <laughs> Dead or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like that kind of base camp. It's an overflow setting that, that yeah. is, is all, as all of the nightingales are. And I think that, that people might readily say that that's a huge thing that's been constructed. It's not been using. I suppose on the one hand, it proves that they've managed to, to control the surge within the hospitals. But the, the big worry for me is that it hasn't been used. And there's, there's lots of issues, should we say, in the community of people who might not have got there. So that's, yeah. I think, something that, that we'll, we'll see in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, crack on. How are you, Chris, uh, before we move on? I'm very well. Making music. Slightly browner than it was a week ago. So. Oh, you've been, you've been getting out and about and getting your uh, an Andrew Ridgely tan on the go. Yeah, you? man. I'm getting 10,000 <laughs> steps a day. Back yeah, I couldn't the, believe that when you said train. that. I'm very fortunate. Thank God for having a garden and green space. I've got a golf course out the back of my house. Oh, right. So Check you nice. out. Look at this. Look at this. How the other half live? Yeah. Um, do you know what? And I'm kind of not missing watching Villa implode. It's been kind of relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's talk about Villa imploding. Uh, coming up in the show, we have, uh, well, the, the latest news from Villa where they have actually managed to uh, avoid furloughing staff with mm. players agreeing to uh, 25% deferment of their wages for the next four months. Uh, we'll discuss that and uh, what's happening uh, across the Premier League in terms of uh, and the principle of you know pay cuts, etc. Also, uh, we'll look at the, uh, the situation where contracts run out in June and uh, Villa aren't actually hit that bad, but we'll look at what's uh, been happening in, in that sense anyway. There's not that many players up for renewal anyway. The three points will take us to... To the uh, controversial, maybe, Newcastle potential buyout uh, by the Saudis. Uh, Also, this concept of uh, having cardboard cutout fans to try to create some kind of atmosphere (laughs) in these ghost games uh, (laughs) that potentially will happen. And then we'll get into uh, a bigger, wider debate on the future of the 2020-21 season from voiding it, trying to continue the practicalities of that and uh, also the... uh, the concept of points per game basis, which doesn't end well for Villa. We'll look around uh, what other countries are doing with their leagues. And then we've got a couple of new segments. Uh, normally we'd put them in in the show, but we'll get the serious stuff out and then we'll finish on a lighter note. Stealing it from uh, Pitchfork magazine, their uh, underrated and overrated. We will do uh, underrated, overrated, where we will discuss every show, three Aston Villa players and discuss whether they're underrated or overrated and we're talking about villa players uh, from yesteryear across across the board all kinds of uh, from far back from the obscure to the loved to the uh, ones on the borderline <laughs> to uh, 
to the Nigel Rio Cokers of this world. And uh, also, uh, we will discuss. Uh, well, lots of people call Villa players legends. All you have to do is, you know, put on a Villa kit, and suddenly you are a legend on Twitter. So we'll, uh, in a quicker end of podcast segment, we will discuss. Well, is it is it harsh saying legend of fraud? We're looking for a running title here. Legend and fraud's probably a bit harsh, but we will grade celebrated players and whether they're a legend or not, or whether they're just a hero or a cult favourite. Or just a fable. But shall we name who... Uh, we, we've got to go with a player that I uh, I want to throw up first. We'll go for Martin Larson, first of all. <laughs> but anyway, hang in there for that. That's at the end of the show. Chris, David Unsworth would have been a fable, I suppose. I was thinking about it. I'm kind of looking forward to the free-form riffing of underrated or overrated, but uh, we'll get to that uh, in a second. Right, first of all, uh, Villa News. Villa so Chris, News. So they took the time, but I think the announcement by Christian Perslow, the statement uh, essentially saying 25% mm. pay deferment of first-term players, coaches, staff, mm. which leads to no for furloughing of uh, non-playing staff which is the uh, the end game here i think they didn't rush into it because a this is an ever-changing scenario so we still don't know when the you know league's going to kick off obviously christian perslow's had meetings with the premier league uh, on pretty much a weekly basis and they're still uh, none the wiser so it is hard to uh, plan financially in that respect because you've got no idea what's going to be uh, coming in and uh, whether this season's going to finish or void or, or or whatever the conclusion is so i think there's no need to rush into it i mean other clubs have and they got shot down through you know bad pr like mm, your liverpools mm. of this world spurs bournemouth all backtracked after they elected to uh, furlough their non playing staff i mean what was your uh, initial reaction before we get into the uh, morality of it all mr rogers from a villa point of view i think it's a it's a it's a good statement i think they the white the wisdom was sitting tight and i think just seeing how the landscape not just in terms of football i don't think but how it's played out generally because it's such a new concept anyway yeah. and and actually by sitting tight that you know, we'll talk about morality in some detail i guess in a moment but some of the in a in a in a in a sector awash with money you know i know that it has the propensity to cause financial problems for for lower league clubs and even some of the teams this is an obvious easy win on the pr on the pr side as well yeah because this i mean the situation and and it's got a bit cloudy mm. and and that's mainly because of the uh, PFA, the uh, Professional Footballers Association, <laughs> who have resisted this notion that players should be revoking on their uh, contractual, uh, you know, payments that they are contractually uh, That's a huge obliged to have disconnect, isn't it, with reality? I think it shows you at that end of oh, football. It just and so their their yeah. excuse was well, uh, if players take a pay cut, that will be less tax money going uh, to the government, so less money mm. to the NHS. First of all, this tax money of football players does not go directly to the NHS it goes to the government pot so are you trying to use that as a uh, like a little PR diverting mechanism secondly I was under this impression that they would get paid the tax money goes to the tax man and then after in their take-home pay then they make a donation back mm -hmm. to their club mm -hmm. Because this is a football issue. This this is not a freeing up money for the NHS. I mean, Captain Tom's done a very good job sorting that one out. Mm. And loads of other people have been raising money all across the country. Yeah. So the football players' response to this uh, pressure, and, and you know, the Premier League put the pressure on, the government put the pressure on, was to say, oh, we've set up this charity. We're, we're not saying how much money it's raising. And it was very vague. And players didn't have to commit any money if they didn't want to. And... 
their excuse for not taking a pay cut was, oh, well, we're going to be donating uh, money to, uh, you know, the NHS or, you know, frontline charities. Well, it was never about the NHS. This is about protecting football, Mm, mm. where you're in a situation where you have these multi-million pound businesses paying ridiculous money for to people who are doing fuck all at this moment in time and are redundant as having any use to society in this situation. And, you know, I'm saying that with harsh words. And they're paying them five figures a week. And then they're crawling to the government to uh, furlough non-playing staff, which mm-hmm. just seems ridiculous and, and embarrassing. It's unethical. And it's, uh, I think, it, uh, to, just to reiterate my point, really, that I think it, it shows you that at the top end of the game, because what we're talking about from a Premier League level, this is about, this fully underlines for me that, that disconnect between how grossly overpaid some of these footballers are. And, and amongst them, I'm sure there will be plenty of players who will recognise their what that's yeah. about, exactly as you've just said. But I'm not saying they shouldn't have a choice, but it's not a hard, for me, it's not a hard decision to make no. that you are vastly wealthy individuals. And I, I find it baffling that even now as we're talking at the end of April, the influential players haven't managed to steward a, a common ground on this. I'm astonished that, for instance, that the 25% that Villa have arrived at isn't the norm. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea are still in discussions with it. Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal, I think they actually had a pay cut of 12.5% and it was mm. quite interesting reading the article, uh, I think yes, it was in The Athletic, I read that, uh, that bit where there's an anonymous player and he's saying, well, some players get it, but a lot of players don't get it. And, you know, these are the players that they're very, very wealthy people. Mm. And, you know, these are they're dropping 15 grand in a club to have a VIP table mm. and all that shit. And yet they're a tight arseholes. You know, they're the they're the guys that you go out, you know, it's the equivalent of going on an, you don't know, an office meal or, you know, a group of 10 friends. And then instead of people just like throwing in money and saying, yeah, split 10 ways, they're actually working out how much they individually had. And, um, that's a, that's a big it's a big fuck you to the to the physio to the catering to the yeah. to the kit man to the academies and the things that have actually got them there and sustained their pathetic existences. I mean, the example of Arsenal that was used was, of course, the, the even the disparity in the changing room. You know, you have some players who are like first, second year sort of pros who've mm. just broke into the first team yeah. who aren't earning what someone like Meza Ozil earns in a week yeah. in a year. That's the you know, in a club, you know when they're paying players two three hundred grand a week, it's not a problem as much for Villa because I would imagine the the sort of the wage ranges are much closer together mm-hmm. at Villa because we haven't got to that point of playing people yeah. hundreds hundred grand a week plus yet. I'm sure you'll have people like Grealish etc are not far off, but they won't be into a six figure number anybody on that wage bill so it's not quite the same level but in Arsenal or you know somewhere like Chelsea um you know United's you know City, but some of, sure. some of the reactions that that article threw up were quite interesting like some of the players going well it's yeah. my money you know who are you you know who are you to tell tell me what to do with it and mm. without seeing the whole context of the situation I mean this isn't about football this is about kind of society and it's societal principles of like this is your team this is your non-playing staff and the club I mean, I understand uh, this situation that some of our ex-players have said, like, if you're furloughing staff or you're asking them to take a cut and then suddenly in the, the next transfer window you're spending like 50, 60 million mm-hmm. on a player, then there's an issue there. And it's also players taking pay, you know, wage deferrals and them going, well, say for the sake of four months. Well, the players know they're going to get that money at some point anyway, but it's 
what are the club doing with that pot of money in well, the they're, they're covering obviously the, the staff who aren't mm-hmm. uh, working there but yeah there is that you don't want your clubs to be taken advantage of this situation if players say i mean i mean my bottom line is you know football players shouldn't get paid the amount of money they're getting mm-hmm. paid and obviously it's the industry creates its own money and you know fair enough but this pandemic shows you the situation of how unbalanced society is essentially and can football learn from this can they do anything but i mean i I wouldn't imagine clubs will be throwing throwing around silly money in the next transfer window if there ever is one it shows you how how inequitable it is and i think that that that, guess i'm sort of repeating myself but football has is as we've said many times on this podcast over the years is, is constantly on the drift from the average person who arrives and sits in the stand and yeah, uh, and and looks at these players who are at the end of the day also human beings. They're not gods. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's this sense of entitlement that football has created around itself. That you know, this, these are unprecedented <laughs> times, and for for these ex- exorbitantly wealthy individuals who, at the start or the end of their careers, either they're wealthy or they stand to be very very wealthy, and um, they can't see that. That's that's bizarre to me. And if they can't survive, you know, if you're talking about a guy who's on a hundred grand a week and he's mm. having to take even a twenty five percent pay reduction, you're thinking. If you're relying on a hundred grand a week to fulfil a lifestyle, you are living a very unsustainable life, and you're going to end up like there's a huge percentage of like NFL players mm-hmm. in the states who finish their career and are bankrupt. If you're living a life where you need a hundred grand a week, you're going to be very, very, very big trouble. Well, look, when you the retire. thing is, nobody needs it, and there's this disparity now. I mean, you know, today if you met one of the uh, 1982 European Cup winning Aston Villa players. Uh, you mm-hmm. can have a pint with them, no mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they are like just normal folk, but they won't even get mentioned in any, let's say this current generation, you know, who's, who's your best Villa 11 or, you know, they never get called legends. They're almost forgotten where they're the only true legends, but they're actually down to earth people. And people now getting paid 40, 50, 60,000 a, a week are just, I mean, they're at bang average players as well. And mm-hmm. uh, completely out of touch, and some of them don't get what's happening. And this article is pretty good in terms of shining a light on that. But it'll be interesting to see how, where we all stand in four months' time. I don't know whether that deferment uh, four months and then review opens up the potential for the players to actually for that twenty five percent to be a cut uh, in essence, or or what happens. But Norwich, uh, interestingly, have dug in and they say, well, you know, that's the way it has to go because you know these are our outgoings and uh, we're in the shit. Hmm. But, you know, they should get their players to uh, stump up. I mean, most for, fortunately for most Premier League sides, us, you know, very much included in that, they have very cash-rich yeah. owners who who can sign a cheque and cover all the non-playing staff's wages relatively uh, And they easily. should, by the way. They yeah, should do and it, that. And yeah. should. You read between the lines and uh, that's what Perslow's kind of insinuating. He said you should, you know, doff your cap there's to a moral, the, the new owners. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a moral line here that... You know, I mean, our two owners, for instance, haven't been involved with the club very long in, in you know, in, in, in any sense. But they are multi, multi, I mean, one of them is a multi-billionaire. Yeah. You know. Well, I think between them, they're the fifth richest mm. ownership in the Premier League. And that's including, if if you count the new, uh, you know, the Saudi regime at Newcastle. Mm. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been signed off yet, though, has it? We'll get on to that no. in a minute anyway. <laughs> we will see what happens. But uh, in terms of uh, PR and making the fan base happy, I think Villa have made so far so good uh, in terms of that statement. Yeah, considering they dropped a few own goals, didn't they, this side of Christmas PR-wise? 
And I think even you know having the NHS in and mm. setting up the it's a maternity unit, isn't it? In yeah, I was going to say that's Stuff that's like the that. next point. Uh, I mean, other clubs have done. I mean, like Chelsea have opened up their uh, stadium. I mean, Burton were doing the maternity thing. They've been doing it a few weeks. So it was good to see Villa actually uh, do that and link up with the uh, what's the uh, the NHS trust in that area. Birmingham Sandwell. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, that's another good move, and you know, as as it should be, uh, if if you want to uh, realistically be considered part of the community, they need to act like it because they are obviously one of the big guns and one of the big employees in the area mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to player matters, uh, Keenan Davis. Is this totally confirmed that he's being given a one season extension? I think the club have exercised their option, haven't they? Whether or not it's been signed is another matter. Because when you but read the, the, the Birmingham Mail, their source is the Football Insider, which is the biggest piece of shitty clickbait <laughs> you've ever seen. And I can't inside. I where, can't believe exactly. uh, something that would consider itself a newspaper would use the Football Insider clickbait website as their source. Wow! But, uh, wow! That's the clickbait leading the clickbait. Clickbait then. leading the clickbait. It's uh, the in the valley of the blind, the one, one-eyed a, man the is vortex king. <laughs> to the bottom, isn't it? That Jesus. Uh, it, it 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 puts me off running a, a villa website. I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of landscape. Mm. But uh, we soldier on anyway. Keenan Davis. Let's let's hypothetically say. Uh, well, the situation is his contract runs out in June the 30th. Villa luckily aren't in the real... They're not hamstrung, really, by... He's uh, normally hamstrung. Well, exactly. <laughs> 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 but so they haven't got any like big hitters uh, up for uh, contract renewal. Or I mean, you've got Callum O'Hare. I mean, no biggie there. Green hasn't really proved himself yet. Callum O'Hare really should be pulling up trees if he wants to be considered a Premier League player. So, I mean, all these players could go, I would say. Yeah, the biggest of the batch is probably James Chester, but has he run his course at Villa? Quite possibly. You know, considering he's not 100% fit, he's, you know, fifth ranked centre-back. I mean, if he's fit, I I would still wager he's uh, currently, may have worth because Hawes and... uh, I forget these players' names. It's been Konza. so long. Hawes <laughs> <Who>? and Konza. Hawes <laughs> and Konza, obviously, as they proved, they are not the finished article just yet. Mm. But yeah, Chester, I mean, he, he's off ski. And I think Sarcic probably might get a little extension. But I think mm. the thinking with the Keenan Davis one is just give him a year. It's almost like a trial of fitness, is it not? And we need a Gary Gardner replacement, don't we? We need someone who's... But no, but Keenan Davis has potential. <laughs> he does, he does. I like yeah, he's him, done man. enough to be Such to be shame. one of. I mean, I, I should you know I want to say one of our four strikers, but mm. we haven't actually got four strikers. But he's de- you know definitely one of our squad of strikers. But it's just those you know his injury yes. issues, and I think this is one. Normally, you'd give him a new contract three years or, or whatever because of his age. Yeah. But I think it is a one-year trial of his fitness, and there is also if Villa do get relegated, then he's tailor-made for the championship, mm-hmm. and and you just give him a new contract to cover that as well. So that makes uh, a lot of sense. But apart from that, there's no real big... I mean, Villa are kind of lucky in that respect that this pandemic and the way it's going to mess up the season and next doesn't really get complicated in terms of contracts. Oh, this will become a nightmare for many clubs, I think, who... Especially lower down. Especially lower down. Um... Yeah, and clubs clubs that are sort of propped up by the loan system. Mm. You know, we could probably pretty happily get rid of our loan players and it, yeah. get them off the wage bill. But some clubs, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of three or four best players are potentially loaned from yeah. bigger right, clubs. Right, let's get into the uh, three points. Uh, first point, 
Newcastle, finally, finally, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I can't remember the name of the woman who's uh, <laughs> been trying to sort this uh, Saudi deal. She's been acting as uh, the, what's uh, a polite word to call it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, intermediary. So the intermediary, <laughs> so bringing the horse to the water, finally seems to have happened. Camel uh, to the water. Camel to the water in this case. <laughs> 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 And uh, it's the Premier League seem to be like, well, we'll just check the paperwork and we'll have you up and running. No problems there. Uh, well, well, others, I mean, Qatar obviously got vested interest rivalry there. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Saudi Arabia have been broadcasting Premier League games illegally for the last few years, have uh, they not? Yep. <laughs> and that's not even including their human rights record, et cetera, et cetera. Nope. Which is absolutely in the gutter, mm. by the way. Yeah, I mean... There was a lot of uh, similar discussions when, uh, I mean, it's, is it called sports washing? It's like a play on whitewashing. Mm. Yeah, you try and sort of make a regime look better than they actually are by doing something essentially legitimate. Like Anthony Joshua's fight, first of all, caused uh, a lot of issues. And it's funny looking at what Anthony Joshua was saying and also the press that were all invited to stay at five-star hotels. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, the hoo-ha was, uh, you know, human rights, blah, blah, blah. And when, well, well, you know, I've had a great time so far since, you know, I can only speak from first-hand experience. Yeah, it's because you're in a five-star hotel and living, uh, you know, living the good life. And suddenly that kind of moral uh, principle seems to fade away a little bit. And, you know, Anthony Joshua obviously treated like a king when he's over there. And, and he said, well, first sake, first-hand experience, all mm-hmm. fine. But this isn't really the uh, the kind of point. But, yeah, I mean... You can't. Premier League isn't really a bastion of what's uh, right and what's wrong, so they'll just they'll just say, "Yeah, no problems there." Well, the Premier League is morally bankrupt and has been for uh, no a number of years now, so it's like they're just like, "You got the money? Yeah, great." Okay, Newcastle fans, you know, they're going from one person that they perceive as evil, and they'll just, you know, they're just like they're running away from him, and they get round the corner, ah, saviour, saviour, and it's like, oh well, we don't care, you know, you've got lots of money, you know, we'll overlook whatever the issue is here, and then what they do, Newcastle fans. We just start. It's that tribal thing where if your club is doing wrong, you'll just still defend them to mm-hmm. the death. And I think that's the that's the point, isn't it? That, that Saudi is in a it's it's transforming. No matter what, in a fashion, I think it's coming from the what we would consider in the West to be the dark ages. And there's some very yeah. distasteful things that have happened there. And it depends where you get your news, doesn't it? I suppose, and what what you believe yeah. and what you don't believe. From a football perspective, I think it's 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 the delusion that we have as fans that perhaps that there's any sort of and what would we even been calling under under Doctor Tony's that the fit and proper, isn't it? That you know yeah. it, it it doesn't exist either. It can't exist because these the, the people fronting these things are uh, what's the word unauditable is the polite way. Uh, yeah. And the other thing is that that the Premier League, no matter what, and we've been talking about it already, is absolutely beguiled by money. And if money's put up. As you said, clubs and supporters, as we would if we were being bought out um, in a situation like Newcastle have been in, you want change, don't you? And uh, you almost yeah. put the blinkers up and go, well. It's like, well, I mean, just look at the uh, recon and Dr. Mm. Tony. I mean, not many of us were raising questions. Uh, but, you know, when we, you know, we did, I wrote numerous articles of like, mm. why why is China suddenly interested in uh, yeah. Premier League? Why is this? What's this guy doing? And then doing a bit of digging and finding out that he'd already been to XYZ Club. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all on my own man's said website. And then I saw that other people on, you know, on Twitter were questioning it. And then they, were, they get accused of being xenophobic and yeah. racist. And it's like, yeah. this is the typical football fan 
tribalism, defending because yeah, yeah. they they can't bear to dig deep, and they rather bury their head in the sand or just look away. Well, exactly, and I think I think we, you know we are some of our, our quarters of our fan base. You have to separate the football from actually who are these people. You know, they were, yeah. just going back to when Villa were being taken over, there were some very dubious characters involved um, with the previous regime. You know, Samuelson was yeah. one that we yeah, put the put the uh, magnifying glass over. Um, and I think that just to round off my point, I suppose with with the Saudi thing is that is this any coincidence when you line it up against the Chinese one that Saudis this is a time when they were trying to push tourism, albeit COVID's put pay to that, but they're starting yeah. to open up to the West, trying to project a more pr- progressive, uh, modernist culture. And it, it all comes down to money for me. Well, that's what it's all about anyway. Point number two, uh, Barcelona are offering up the naming rights to the mm. Nur camp and the money, uh, is it is, is it going to go to health service or just frontline or what, what's, uh, is there any specific... Uh, outlet i don't know if it's just to help pay for right. the staff mm. so i mean i know the players have taken quite hefty pay mm. cuts yeah. haven't they at barca and, and, and have been very uh open about it. they were one of the first clubs to do it actually in european because I, I i thought but, i, I mean, thought the initiative was to uh you know for the uh the good of uh fighting yeah the i believe pandemic. so in the uh i mean the, the only recently they gave up their because they were infamous for not having a shirt sponsor but uh qatar airlines yeah. put paid to that uh <laughs> well they had um they had foundations didn't they before yeah. as well they had like unicef and things like that yeah. and then qatar obviously as they have done in that part of the world just the, there's a story going on. I think the BBC or somebody interviewed uh, Mike Tyson allegedly has a, a cannabis con- company. And there's a few people have invested in cannabis because of when it uh, eventually gets legalized, which uh, mm. is meant to be around the corner, then uh, obviously stocks will go up and uh, it will be kind of a boom situation. And Mike Tyson... Well, and, hem- and hemp yeah, as no, well. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Is the, is the Mike thing. Tyson, uh, his business partner in his cannabis uh, company, uh, I think it's Alki David, has uh, said it was would be an amazing idea for them to uh, sponsor the Nur Camp. My company is a cannabis company and Spain has a long tradition with the European Union Union within the European Union as being a leader or a liberal in the road towards legalization. So it's evolved quite naturally. There I think they should get sponsored by Old Spice. <laughs> <laughs> well Kevin Keegan, wasn't it? Uh, Mike New Camp Old Spice. That would work. Mike well. Tyson. I've interviewed Mike Tyson. Uh Biggest ass I've ever seen. <laughs> as in literally biggest ass. I had to take a picture of it when he walked away. Just, I've never seen a pair of trousers uh, as wide. <laughs> as wide. I think that was when he was, uh, well, obviously post fighting uh, Prime. But uh, anyway, moving on to, moving on swiftly to uh, point number three. And this plays uh, relevant in terms of what happens, uh, which we'll discuss later on. Mm. In Germany, they're calling it the ghost game. I think they had a ghost game. They had the first ghost game where. Roughly translated, behind closed doors, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach are uh, have this initiative where you can purchase a cardboard cutout of you, life size, weatherproof, plastic. <laughs> so uh, if it's a uh, rains on the day, you you'll be all right. You won't just kind of turn into pulp. <laughs> 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 when the Villa Park acid bath rains down on you, 
<laughs> so for uh, I think it's 19 euros uh, back fans can uh, purchase this cardboard cutout which will stand uh, I'm presuming in wherever they normally uh, sit or stand so you've actually got to pay money to be yourself yeah it's beautiful isn't it <laughs> only, only football would manage to rinse a fan in another new novel way I don't know what to say about this. I kind, I kind of like it. <laughs> Does this mean I could watch games on telly from the comfort of my own home and just send my plastic figurine in winter games? It's that beauty of like if you say if you say you're at the game but you're not, you could just say, "Yeah, I was there." Look, you know. <laughs> Here's a question for you: What facial expression would you settle on? <laughs> All you'd see on my face would be my fingers covering my eyes. <laughs> Chris? Uh, probably like a load of curry sauce around my mouth and a big pile of chips or something. I think mine, mine would just be a look of bewilderment. What's uh, what's that painting, the scream? Yeah, maybe me looking at my watch going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there is uh, there's a lot of scope for a lot of fun there, I, I think. Oh, definitely with a weatherproof plastic, because plastic, I mean, it lasts forever. So I think if you could get it installed permanently, you'd forever be your plastic, plastic corrugated version would have to live out its days. One way of keeping my season ticket forever. My lifetime just, season ticket. <laughs> it can be like a lifetime investment. Uh, so, I mean, the idea is obviously to create some, Brilliant. well, at least visually, some kind of atmosphere. I'm pretty sure if they're playing, <laughs> if they're playing ghost games on TV, do you think they'll be pumping in fake atmosphere? Oh, I hope so. They should I install. They to, don't I don't they? know. Give us little iPad faces so that we can we could shout and scream and real time. You're not going to get that for 19 euros a shot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, sound on the TV. Do you think they will put Atmos tracks on? Like when Villa are attacking, oh, they'll God. play, they'll have Villa song Atmos tracks. Oh, or when a Villa player misplaces a pass, you'll have everyone piling in on them. Oh, oh fuck off, Taylor. Fucking rubbish. Sort it out, Smith. Great. That'd be great. That'd be great fun. But seriously, it's, it's, I think they have to. Cause it's, well, Man it's, City do that anyway, don't they? So. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a... I don't uh, know soulless thing but i'm not into this ghost game i'm not sure about any of this no football is for the fans if you can't get the fans there because the, the, the weird thing about just away from the Borussia is is that they're thinking about neutral venues, including training pitches, aren't they? For the if they were yeah. to resume competitive and have them in almost like camps, aren't they? Like yeah. isolated well, we'll, training we'll get camps into this. Uh, we'll get into this in the main uh, section. Uh, just first of all, I just want to say before we get into that, we just want to say a big thank you very much to uh, the Mailman Said patrons for sticking with uh, us through this tricky period. Uh, especially thanks to uh, Steve Ward and Richard Newey for uh, signing up recently as a patron please do uh, if you want to support the show and get access to uh, extra podcasts mm. there's, there's been a couple in the last week which actually were pretty good uh, in my humble opinion where we looked at uh, Gregory's miracle uh, transition when he managed to win nine out of the last 11 games of the season that Brian Little started off as the mm-hmm. uh, the manager but anyway uh, if you want to uh, get access to that please do uh, check out myomanset.com and uh, click on the patron option there for more details also you have you will get discount uh, codes for merchandise and uh, be able to enter for mum's rewards as well and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, right. Cracking on. Future of the 2019-20 season. Oh, this is going to trigger me. Now, I'm uh, on the National Council of the Football Supports Association, so I've been getting a few emails because the two guys there are on the FA committee or council, let's, let's call it council. So they, they were involved in discussions about the National League, the which is you know essentially the non-league and how they were going to end the season. And the FA put across three alternatives, which is pretty much the blueprint for what all uh, leagues are, are looking at. One is uh, to finish the season by any means possible. So basically keeping it open. This creates a problem where you potentially back into uh, the 2021 season and completely messes that up. And that might even back into the, the season after that. You're also looking at ghost games behind closed doors, as we just mentioned there. And the pros are, you know, you get to actually end that season and clubs will be uh, champions, relegated, and it's business as usual in that sense. Uh, the second option is just avoid the season. The shit's gone down. Sorry, but you know that's it. We 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 start again. This obviously buys you, uh, releases the pressure in terms of the contracts that we just mentioned. Uh, June thirtieth sorted. The prospect you could have a proper transfer window, and you can actually start planning for twenty twenty one in a more rational fashion, knowing that that's not going to be compromised as much. The cons are poor old Liverpool, poor old Aston Villa, and those fans who wanted to return to the Championship. <laughs> and the only the only uh, question is, you know, who who do you choose for Europe uh, next season? Mm. But you know, that's not really a big issue. You, you could judge that on where teams have finished in the void table. And then the third potential uh, offering solution is to end the season with a points per game basis, which doesn't work out well for Villa, but let's approach this with a non-biased uh, viewpoint. So this means uh, it's a bit like voiding the season. You actually, uh, it's over. You don't impinge into the 2021 unless the pandemic uh, does that for us. You have a uh, finality. It's a bit like cricket. What's the uh, Duckworth? Yeah, Lewis. Duckworth-Lewis. Mm. Duckworth-Lewis situation, which I, I never thought that was a... Nah. Not not a great solution for that cricket. works. That works for individual games. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't work for a whole season. There's so many other things that it factors in. Yeah. Anyway, so out of those three situations, I mean, at the moment, uh, the Dutch, well, Belgium were the first to say, right, that's it, fuck it. Mm. They were in a situation where normally they have playoffs. So the top team, uh, I think I mentioned this on the previous podcast, Bruges were like 15 points clear with one game to go. So they had mathematically finished top 
So obviously you go into a playoff normally, but if you wanted to finish that season, you could make them the number one, the the winners, the, the title winners, you know, you're foregoing the, the playoffs. But you're looking at that table, mathematically, they've got it. Liverpool aren't in that position. I mean, no. sport needs f- finality. I mean, we've discussed, we've used the example, like if, if the virus happened and Liverpool had played the first leg against Barcelona and lost 3-0, as they did, and then you got to start the Champions League again and say, well, we haven't got time for that second leg. Let's just go straight to the uh, the semis. Most people would say, uh, well, that game, you know, Liverpool are 3-0 down. There's no way they, they get that back against Barcelona. But they did. So, you know, this is sport. This is what this is why we're all here. Holland, they've gone straight in and said, fuck it, mm. void as well. Yeah. And only the Champions League place is really to be decided. Germany uh, are talking ghost games and i mean they've dealt with this pandemic better than you know this country for example definitely the you know in terms of death ratio is Mm. is way way down you look at those figures and you get and you think how Mm. on the news they it's always a topic but there is uh, Mm. i'm like in switzerland and sweden sweden have penciled in uh 14th of june as a starting date and i think you know places like sweden and switzerland are just they're People are just more socially aware. They're yeah. more responsible yeah. as well. I think more responsible. I think that when you look at the the, the Germans' uh, approach to to, they moved very early in January in the mass testing. And uh, so the yeah. the only interesting thing about the ghost games and uh, or the I'm just looking at the, the show notes we've got here, which is Gitterspieler concept, which is behind game behind closed doors, yeah. as I understand it. The, the strange thing about Germany as a setup is that they've got regional. There's regional disagreement as to how to reduce the lockdown. So it's a bit of a reverse situation here that the regions in the UK listen to what what London or Westminster says uh, and the Germans I think are trying to suppress the regions at the moment from going too soon on this yeah so but the Germans have resisted these these sorts of things in terms of the footballing contexts we covered it recently didn't we yeah they have a I think it's called the Fan Zenon Deutschlands which is a it's a nationwide mm-hmm. uh, union of ultra groups mm. and they've criticized uh i mean they're no stranger to like criticizing uh, german's football business model even though over here we think you know this 51 plus one is uh, the utopian mm. but they've rejected this uh what's, what's it called the gita spiel yeah, the uh, ghost yeah it's been, uh, behind closed doors is what it translates to and they've said it's an insult to society and in particular to those fighting COVID-19 on mm. a daily basis, professional football has long been sick and should still be in quarantine. Mm. I think this is the reaction that we could get in the UK in the Prem- if the Premier League were to try and find this halfway house. I, we're, we're creeping back into this. Is, is this a, uh, a moral and ethical and a, a medical based decision or is actually is it about? kick-starting the, the financial machine that drives the oh, Premier com- League. It's completely all about that mm. because they have contracts you know, with the TV companies yep. that they want to if- uphold. So they should and say that. They should say it's, that. It's, it's TV <laughs> and gambling. Yeah. yeah. Nothing to do with sport. They should say it. That's the, that because it's it's very easy to use the sporting integrity line in all of this. But you look yeah. at the three countries with the biggest leagues that are trying to get back playing as soon mm-hmm. as they can: mm-hmm. Italy, Spain, and Great Britain. And they're the three countries that have probably been hit the hardest. I'm t- yeah, I'm tiring as I'm sure many are of the double speak really because you get we get the spillover from the political side to the you know trying to keep it purely in footballing terms. But <laughs> for for me, I think that it, you know there was the three thousand fans who travelled uh, for the for the Liverpool Atletico game that you yeah. think if that happened now that no, no one in their right mind would think that that was a sensible thing to do the whole yeah. Cheltenham thing I mean that's just people go oh but hindsight hindsight oh, no, when I heard no, about no, Cheltenham no, at the no. time I couldn't believe no. what was happening no. when I 
you know, when I hear Boris Johnson talking about shaking hands with everybody, mm. oh yeah, well, and you just think, what what's going on here? Yeah. This, you know, don't they know? But well, it's know, irrational, what, and it's what a pandemic is. Uh, and and I think that the the real huge difference is, as I've seen of it, is that it not just it genuinely is impacting upon people's lives. And yeah. if if you don't if you don't lose someone directly, you'll lose someone indirectly. And if you don't pass away from this. You'll have a terrible illness that will cause you considerable, you know, and your loved ones some serious, serious harm. And and for me, that football has to has to be has to pause until until a higher authority tells them otherwise. Frankly, um, I'm, I'm not yeah. interested in seeing Villa Villa play ghost games. I'm not interested in in seeing this progressive. If it means that we're, you know, I want to sit in in the hot end like anyone, but not if not if. If there's risk. <laughs> yeah, if tomorrow they said, all right, yeah, well, we're going to go back to the herd immunity idea. And, it's bonkers, uh, absolutely bonkers. If you want to go to Villa Park uh, next weekend, uh, there's no, you won't see me there. See no. you later. No, no. And, uh, you know, I, I would like, probably turn my back on football. Well, this is where I, I wouldn't want to get drawn into the, it's what we were talking about earlier, really, that the, it's dangerous because it can put a, dry, a tribalism between yeah, core groups of fans of you know we want football back at at all costs and but it mustn't blinker us to the fact that this is an unprecedented time where there's genuine risk to human life. We're talking about a right virus that has us all locked down. Mm. I mean, this there's a reason for that. There's also you're talking about a virus that a there's no cure. No. B we don't know if you've had it like other illnesses. That means you're immune to it. Mm. That that's. There seems to be uh, no proof of that as people are, are getting it again. And you don't know what the long-term effects are, and there's a no. lot still to be learnt from this. And here we are. Very, we're very early in this. In this very early. Very we're, early. We're, we're not, yeah, we're nowhere near any what you'd call the back-end stuff yet. We are still in peak. So in terms of football, it simply isn't a priority for people. Or it can't be a priority, be it morally. And to be honest, for most people, financially, you know, a lot of people are losing jobs have been mm, furloughed, absolutely. things like season tickets. This is not a priority in the same way absolutely. that going on holiday, sitting on a beach, it's not a priority. I can only comment on my industry. In music, you've got an entire summer, an entire industry just vanished. Football is still there. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't be getting people going to concerts potentially no. any time before Christmas. No, no, no. Because no. yeah. that, that's a relatively smaller gathering. You know, things like the festival season has gone. And all of the workers that go with that, mm. the medium-sized gigs, the other arenas and academy-sized stuff, no one will be doing that. You know, football has to be in that. But you know, in, in terms of government, it's in the culture, media, and sport bracket. They're all in the same thing. It just seems that the Premier League, as always, seems to think it's got a fucking law to well, itself. It's like, no, we're the priority. It's like, oh, we ha- we have to raise and, the spirits and, of the country. And it's the like, spin, yeah, that's the spin, isn't it's it? Bullshit, because the- it's like. Dude, we'll we'll sitting on YouTube and watching Villa make my spirits any better. I don't give a fuck. Well, that's the proof to me that the the drive is, as as David rightly said, that the, that's the drive to get the TV money. It's TV and get people gambling. Get, yeah, uh, there's some bigger. Yeah, and and if you're playing games in a stadium, we know full well. Now I won't be going anywhere near it, but there will be some people who will happily stand outside. And shout through the gates, "Come on, the villa!" And they and they'll see that. So remember that day where we all stood outside the villa because mm. we weren't allowed in. Fucking nonsense. This, requi- this requires a real. Uh, I think uh, it requires one of the big leagues to actually 
to stand up and say, you know, to break ranks from that, I think. And I'm surprised I'm surprised the Bundesliga hasn't taken the opportunity to do that, to be honest, being a little bit ahead of us. Um, La Liga, I've always thought, is, you know, is But controlled. I think the situation is th- these are multi-multi-million mm-hmm. pound contracts. They, they, they have to try to honour in some way. Well, they need to for- it's force majeure, isn't them. it, at the end of the day? Yeah. And for me... For me, I think that they risk doing greater harm. That if they rush this back, and even if they rush it back to congregated gatherings, that well, the, this the is top the problem, end, the, the second wave, yeah. Well, the top end of the of the of these divisions will see congregations of what thirty thousand plus people on average, right up to some of the larger stadiums, which are what eighty. 80, yeah. you know, I think people would be reluctant to do it. But I think tribalism is that fantastic. The football's back on. It's safe to do it. And that's why so many people went to Cheltenham, because they perceived yeah. it was safe to do it. Well, this is the situation, I suppose, we can go hindsight is 20,000 people, not just because of Cheltenham and things like that, but because of community transmission are dead. And that's that's a lot. And rising daily. Yeah, 3,000 yeah. fans from Madrid. And yeah. we're looking at yeah. Spain at that time was in lockdown. Spain was has had a hor- Madrid particularly and the regions around it have had an absolutely horrendous time. And so how many of those, you know, let's say knocking on 300 people that have died in Liverpool hospitals how I mean, obviously it's speculation, but mm. how many of those would have been linked to those three thousand that came over? I think one of the government ministers said, "Oh, that's an interesting hypothesis." But well, come on, you got three thousand people coming from somewhere that's in a lockdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was all driven. Oh, we've got to fulfil this fixture. You know, money, 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 money. Nobody's thinking about health. Nobody's thinking about the knock-on effects and how that wow. kind of permutates through wherever you know these people are getting off in london they're getting off at you know liverpool airport manchester airport well i t- I, t- I i mean the other and this the other isn't s- hindsight you know no. it's well, like how is this game going ahead i mean the other hat that i wear is that i'm always very mindful of of how these things can be can be uh, v- viewed when the dust settles if you like and there's you know there's already talk of the the nhs being massively exposed in terms of liability for its lack of protective equi- equipment for the staff you know, yeah. that, I do think that when when the dust settles on this, and if there's genuine harm that can be attributed, the lawyers will be coming, and and I think I dare say the law could be coming for some of these people because who was taking such reckless decisions, if you like, when at that time I think the facts were there for all to see. The government knew in twenty sixteen. They knew enough. That they knew that they weren't ready for a pandemic because that was they were meant to be testing mm. for you know their mm. propensity to tackle a pandemic and what was the quotes I think the quote was ha 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 we just better hope we don't get a pandemic because well, we'll be fucked absolutely yeah right you got three alternatives the future of this twenty nineteen stroke twenty season so which one are you going for do you want me to go through them again first finish the season by any means let it roll on mm. let it roll on second just void it full stop and third one points per game basis chris void it dan without doubt void it yeah i'm totally and i might it. add that isn't simply from my villa hat no 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 no, no, no. you know if i if, you know because we could because every club has their own you know and it's like actually if you can void it i would still say the reality is liverpool would have won it by all means give them the title, fine, because they were going to achieve it. But I'm not. I'm. 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 I'm void it. Yeah, I, I void it. I, but it's just not a priority. Football is not a priority. Liverpool situation. Mm. It, it. It's just unlucky. Yeah. That's it's, 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 as that. Yeah. It's exactly the same as someone like. And I've mentioned it numerous times um, in the last few weeks when we've spoken about someone like Leicester who have had an amazing season 
and would feel very hard done by to not get top four mm. that they deserve. But you just think, do you know what? Sorry. And by the way, you don't, really want, you don't want to be really travelling around Europe next season anyway. No. No. And then <laughs> no. in terms of the, the thing about the bottom of the table, you look at Villa and if you're thinking that points per game and all that stuff, that's farcical. Absolutely farcical. Well, that's, because that is your stupid Duckworth Lewis having that's the nonsense. If, if, you, if you do that for football, that's just pointless because Villa are a game behind. Well, the thing is, you're guessing, you're actually making a projection on, you know, if it panned out like that, well, why play any games? You know, why don't you just put it through exactly. an algorithm? The league is a journey. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's you can not have great starts, you can have, no. you can have great finishes and then there's that whole balance of playing home and away against good teams, mm. bad teams mm. and that's obviously goes through the fixture list. So you could have played all the, you know, some team could have played all the, all the easy teams away or at home and they have a real tough fixture is coming up or vice versa it's all all nuanced the whole yeah. week and-, and I think one of the things I would put in there is some of the the financial implications w- that you could help certainly down a division is that you're going to have potentially if you're not going to have any relegations you've got a parachute pot that you can spread mm-hmm. out between the championship to soften the blow or for someone like a West Brom or a Leeds when you're saying well do you know what you're not going to get promoted and get the 170 million pot but we can offer you the parachute money of a team that would have come down to soften the blow. Mm. And I think the two others, just to final, wrap up my final views, I think if you say, right, finish season, and but, you know, when, I think we have no idea how many waves of this we're going to have. No. Uh, yeah. and, and I think to end the season with the points per game, as has already been said, really, I think that it's it's like an imaginary crystal ball, and I think that opens up all manner of legal issues. 100%, 100%. Especially that, when it, and it does affect Villa more than most legally because yeah. that match had enormous implications financially for both Villa at one end of the table and potentially Sheffield United because if if they'd have beaten Villa in their with their game oh. in hand yeah, they'd yeah, have yeah. gone into fifth and therefore of course with Man City being banned from the Champions League they would have got the fourth the fourth Champions League place I also think it gives the league, uh, with with VAR having been such a crock of absolute shit half of the time, I think it gives the, the league an out. Get out of jail card. A get there. out of jail card. 100%, but I, I just think the, the Premier League... They will do, they will do. They will make a decision that no one will expect. They will, bend over back, they will bend over backwards to try to finish this yeah. league, though. Oh, because you'll never hear the end of it from the Scousers. I think the biggest problem is then what the fuck happens to next season? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You could write the season off today, you know, in April, or nearly May, and they're talking about, well, we want to get the season started in August, and that's fine. But How are the players going to socially but, distance? But, I don't understand but, Yeah, but, but we don't know where we're going to be come August. <laughs> yeah, it could be yeah. that you actually have to start next season behind closed doors anyway. Well, one, one theory was, right, we, we pause this season and we continue it at the same point next year. Mm. So in actual fact, you don't really have a uh, 2021 season. Now, that that's basing on the hope that uh, actually uh, everything will be all right mm-hmm. uh, this time next year. I just, I just think that football needs to be so low down the list of priorities that it's just until you can put safely put all parties involved in that stadium, don't do it. There's an interesting situation about uh, one thing I didn't mention uh, about the players' cuts. I mean, the players will want to play because they're they're not getting their goal bonuses, they're not getting their win bonuses, so they're losing out on money, mm-hmm. even though they're getting paid a lot of money. So that would be why they would probably say yes to any madcap scheme the uh, the Premier League will put forward about playing behind closed doors you know putting them in camps in hotels away from their families to finish this season over a month i mean yes it just kind of pre- presents some entertainment for people in lockdown but that's all it is 
when you boil it down, it's morally irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Of course it isn't. And especially if you, for example, were to, I don't know, say the 1st of May, just as a, a ballpark number, had a round of matches. All players went out on the field and were fine. A week later, a player complains about mm. symptoms again. All of a sudden, you're going to have to shut it down again. I just think if you nip it in the bud now, you make a clean break and allow yourself to plan longer term. You can allow things like, you know, things through May, June and July for the curve to, in theory, follow the same patterns as it has elsewhere. And you can reach a point where come August, you can go, right, where do we stand? We have a much clearer picture and now we can plan rather than just sort of trying to rush everything back and be treated as a a priority when it just isn't. Right. I think there's not much more to really add to that. But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, a lot of most fans will take it from how does it affect their club and that will be the basis of their judgment. But Mm -hmm. uh, it needs to be cleaner. But I think that the devil in this situation will be the all those big money contracts that the Premier League have to try to... uh, come to some solution you can understand the motivation because it's one hell of a big fucking mess and uh they need to clear it up somehow good luck with that well it's the same plot i mean i'd i'd, I'd be interested to know what where the, the tv sort of deals stand in things like america in terms of you know the big the enormous nba contracts and NA, you know mm-hmm. nfl mm-hmm. you know the baseball season will be basically written off and they were very quick to pause their seasons weren't they uh nba oh, um, and yeah they, they, they uh, the the baseball guys they were in pre-season weren't they they were in mm-hmm. spring training they just cut it dead mm-hmm. yeah well that's a good position to be in the nfl hasn't started yet so they're in a good position as well they can react yeah and cricket you know cricket's not they're not, not they're not doing anything till the first of july and this yeah. is a sport you know county championship cricket you're generally playing in a half empty stadium anyway yeah so it's irrelevant <laughs> but in terms of a sport that you know these yeah, they're, they're furloughing players and these guys are not on footballer contracts they need yeah. to play to earn. You know, and you look at further down the division, Joe, these are clubs that they have to, you know, who will be the big, the first victim of all this? I mean, you know, you look across the city at our not-so-illustrious rivals and it's like they were absolutely in the shit before all of this. Mm. You know, they were yeah. sacking, you know, they were you know, letting go a lot of members of staff because they simply couldn't afford to run the business. Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily them, but I think we'll be losing a few clubs. Uh, the crisis club was uh, a term being used a lot of the time. So if you're yeah. in a crisis before this happened, imagine your chances of surviving now. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's finish on a lighter note. So we're all up for voiding this season, and uh, let's see how this plays out. Anyway, now it's time for some light relief. And, yes, uh, a new section. This is good. This needs a this needs a theme tune. Oh, I just steal the theme tune from Pitchfork uh, Music, <laughs> where the the simple idea comes from. So simple notion, and that's what I like about it. We will name. We'll go through three players, and the discussion on each of them will be underrated or overrated. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't so much of a short list. We were. <laughs> we could make like a, a two-year series out of this. This could run for the next hundred episodes. Yeah, this would be continual, where we'll just randomly select three players. These are good, th- three good randoms. Sit tight, folks. Right, let's 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 go for the first one. This was my pick. I'm throwing Nigel Rio Coca. Oh. Underrated or overrated? <laughs> Definitely overrated. <laughs> Eight point five million pounds for a man. For a man who, uh, uh, well, who was bought as one of <laughs> the up-and-coming England captaining 
rising box-to-box footballer who we turned into a frigging right back <laughs> who, who looked like he'd been... Sorry, sorry, let's let's just go back to his... We were looking... Well, he was like this young captain of West Ham leading them in this Ooh. gallant battle yeah, against England, Liverpool. England under-21 captain, wasn't he, as well? Mm. The FA Cup final, Mr. Box-to-Box, looking amazing. Mr. Box-to-Box scored one goal in over 100 games for Villa. <laughs> he did win the Peace Cup, though. Uh, when we were choosing these names I said I always remember a game against Chelsea where when Chelsea were were good and Villa suddenly I think it ended nil-nil but uh, there was a break and Rio Coca was put through on the halfway line and he was clean on check it was (laughs) one-on-one and uh, I I just sat down and turned to my friend because you know he's got to run that half a pitch so he got a bit of time you'd seen it all before and I I just looked at my friend who's not a Villa fan I said he's not going to score He's going, he's through, he's through, he's through. And I was the most unexcited I've ever been when it came to a Villa player clean on goal, <laughs> one-on-one. Imagine like, He's not like... going to score. No. You were more excited at the prospect of, oh, we might get a corner here. Yeah, that's that's the best case scenario here is we're going to get a corner. It was as though Nigel Rio Coco was wearing corrective shoes when he was playing football. <laughs> like they were designed in Minecraft or something like that. Two left feet, wasn't it? <laughs> but I always thought we... Because I watched that game, West Ham versus Liverpool, and he was fucking good. Yes. He had his moments, but just not very many. I thought 8.5 million, maybe a little bit of overspend. That's a bit of hype. That's hype money. Potential, mm. you know, it's, mm. it's for his potential. And then. Oh, I was delighted to sign Rio Coca. Yeah, so was I. Little did and we then, know. <laughs> then, like, O'Neill uh, tried him as a defensive mid, and then he was like, oh, shit, this isn't working out. Let's try to convert Petrov to a defensive mid instead. He always looked more and more forlorn as well, didn't he, Rio Coca, as the years went on? He always just looked like... But he was quite bright, if, <laughs> uh, if I imagine rightly. Then, I mean, he had, a, he had an interesting career in terms of travelling because he ended up going all over the MLS and then ended up at Milton Keynes Dons where I don't think he actually played. He was on trial, wasn't he? I think he's still available as a free agent. He's been a free agent the last couple of years, I think. Where did he score his goal? Wrexham, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, I'm I'm going overrated as well. But this sums him up. When he was uh, captain of England's under-21s, and it was the 2007 under-21s European Championships, and uh, in the semi-final they were playing the hosts, Holland. And this, because of his age, this would be his last game for England under-21s. And he got a second book in, which meant he was going to miss Ala Gascoigne. He was going to miss the final. So first of all, you know, this is Rio Coca's career. At that point. His career in a nutshell. <laughs> this is yes. what is going to happen to him later once he's with the Villa. So he's this is his last ever game. He's going to miss the final because he's got his second book in. Anyway, the, the game goes to penalties. <laughs> Holland win. Th- I remember this because it was just everybody was scoring. Well, not everybody. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Holland won 13-12 because everybody was scoring. Guess who missed the penalty? <laughs> Rio Coca. <laughs> his square shoes. It's square shoes. So uh, I think, Chris, did you say, what What was your verdict, sorry? Uh, overrated. Yeah, that's unanimous, overrated. Uh. Nigel Rio Coca, overrated. Right, next one. Should we go, are we going to go for Chris's or uh, Dan's uh, nomination? I think I'll go next. Um, mine right. is uh, a little-known Arab-Israeli footballer, Najwan Gurieb. Overrated. 
or underrated. Tell, tell us more of this player, because I can barely remember him. I think this is when I was out the country in Australia for a couple of years. This was John Gregory era, was it not? So, like all all promising footballers and Jesus, they start in Nazareth. And <laughs> That's where he was born, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He came through the youth ranks at, at Maccabi uh, Nazareth. And uh, having caught the eye, he was described as by our then club scout, Ross McLaren, as being the best left back he had ever seen. Well, the best left back, <laughs> the best left back he had ever seen, went on to play five games for Aston Villa. I have scoured. I can't find these five games. I'm not. I don't think he started once. Did he, he? Uh, mm. He's the kind of player who might get a game in the early rounds of like the Coca-Cola Cup or something. There's, there's some good background on this guy. I mean, he joined us in the 99-2000 season, paid a million pounds. Uh, he's, did we? He's one of the John Gregory signings where you go, oh, ooh. Uh, uh, was it was uh, one of the brown uh, brown paper envelope signings? <laughs> well, I, I think so. In the same league as like Fabio Ferrarese and people like he's that. A, that he's era, he's he? uh, one-eighth of a Bosco Balaban, put it that way. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think you have some way to say that Alan Wright kept him out of the team. Oh, he didn't like. Oh, he, had, he had a he had a scathing attack, didn't he, when he mm. left? Blamed Gregory's proclivity towards the regular Alan Wright for his lack of first team opportunities, moaning that if Alan Wright signed for Hapoel Haifa, he would not get game time. Now, this is all a bit odd for me because that the, he was scathing of Gregory then. What, and... Yeah, but what did he say? He, he also said he is good only defensively, and yet he is godlike to John Gregory, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because uh, Gurieb went on to be John Gregory's assistant <laughs> a few years later when he was managing in Israel. Yeah, I think they had a timeshare or something, something together. I reckon they just mates. Yeah, so it's a bit, bit weird, a bit weird. I'm sure everything was above board. So I think I think he's underrated. <laughs> I think he's just not rated. I think I just like the the way that he slammed into Alan Wright and said he's, in, he's good only defensively, yet he is godlike to John Gregory. I just love the bitterness of that. So I'm going. Well, I'm going bollocks, underrated. Alan Wright, Alan Wright scored some worldies, so I'm going not even rated. Just no. You got to go under or over. That's the whole idea. I'm going to give him a polite under because who the hell knew? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, uh, underrated or overrated? Uh... Underrated. This is this is the classic Villa signing. Perhaps a bit like Rio Coca, where if you imagine a scene of like a, a watering hole for animals, it looks serene, but there's mud all around the watering hole and Villa are the beautiful delicious water and all these players who arrive ago they're pretty good but then they get stuck in the mud and then they get fossilized in the mud and then they rot in the mud (laughs) but yeah I can't I can't remember him being a million pound signing Mm. (laughs) he was great on championship manager that year but he was he wasn't in Villa's team he was in Spurs's team (laughs) that's a fact (laughs) for you (laughs) All right, let's go on to the third and final underrated or overrated. Somebody else who costs just over a million, 1.35 million. Big Ron Atkinson signing, Mr. John Fashionu. Mr. John Fashionu. Mr. Awooger himself. Underrated or overrated for the Villa? Overrated. Mind-blowingly overrated. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we had John Fashionu playing football in our team. He did actually score on his debut, so it started kind of well for him, and then just went gradually downhill. He got to wear the mullet kit as well. So, so you've got you've got this situation where you got like, right, we've got Atkinson, we've got Saunders. What what do we? What York? What what else do we need? I think he got him because Villa were turning into a bit of a soft touch, mm. were they not? Mm. And they didn't really yeah, have who, that. Who did we buy that summer? John Fashionu and Phil King, was it? Yeah, which didn't stink of much ambition, did it? 
John Fashioning. <laughs> reeked. John Fashioning. Fucking hell. But I think he scored three goals. How many games did he play? About 15. I remember one of the goals. It was, uh, I think it was QPR. And the cameraman was so surprised he didn't even video the goal. <laughs> It just cut to the celebration. Oh, Fashion who scored. Oh, who knew? Did he, but he was in the England squad before. That's I mean, unbelievable as well. I mean, this is was this the uh, these were the years of the Steve Bull and John Fashion who playing centre forward. Carlton Palmer. Carlton Palmer. I mean, it's not exactly vintage this England. Yeah, uh, Graham Taylor. Do I not like that era? Fashion who yeah. was not very cultured as a footballer in my memories and well he wasn't a footballer really was he he, he was a, <laughs> he, he was an entertainer david as it turned out <laughs> i'm a bloody good one oh, as well i might add dear. saturday nights with the big pointy finger singing another one bites the I dust i do remember his injury at villa park though when he when he it was a lunging challenge after uh, we our memories fail us but we think it might have been gigs don't we Think so. He tried to. He, yeah. It was a bit of a gazer, wasn't it? He tried to snap mm. gigs in half, and in doing so, ruptured his, his cruciate ligament, yeah. wasn't it? I yeah. think, and never played again. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll, I'll go overrated as well because he was a legend in his own lifetime, in his, in his, his own, own mind. mind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's a legend in his own lunchbox. <laughs> John Fashion. Anyway, so will uh, anybody who wants to uh, throw suggestions for underrated, overrated, please do uh, do it via. I don't know. Mad, the Madview group or uh, on social media the uh, Twitter account for the podcast is uh, at my old man said right uh, let's finish on uh, this is uh, I don't know it's just this younger generation of Villa fans on well the social media fans calling everybody a legend you know a lot of it's PR if you keep putting your face there then people you know the club call you a legend a couple of times and uh, suddenly you know if enough people say it it becomes true but you know what is a real legend similar to underrated or overrated we're gonna we need a, a title for this but uh, i mean legend of fraud's a bit harsh i like but, it uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so we every, at the end of every episode we're gonna throw up a good villa player who may be considered a legend to others but let's say a good villa player because let's finish on a positive note and we will give him a grade between legend Hero, which is still pretty good, but just not quite legend status, or a cult favourite, which kind of covers a multitude mm. of sins, really. So, uh, first one, my friend uh, Martin Larson. <laughs> now, yeah, how many, how many, how many podcasts have we done, David? Now, and the amount of time, <laughs> I think I've been present for most of the hundred and fifty or so. Ma- Martin Larson. This has come up once it, or twice. It, it always comes up. Martin Larson is, you know, I have to blink. People call him a legend, which uh, very good centre back. I liked him. I like his. I liked his application, and I was always very happy when he was playing because most of the time he wasn't because <laughs> he, <laughs> he was injured. But with most Signet players, they become frustrating. Uh, I mean, Dalian Atkinson uh, was was very frustrating. Mm. And and he's another legend nowadays. But uh, so with Larson, he's still heralded. But you know, you know, people talk to Larson, and most of the time they're talking about when he was injured, which doesn't really make you a legend at Villa, does it? I was injured a lot. I was more injured. You're basically, talk, yeah, you're basically talking about one very good season he had, wasn't it, when he was with Melbourne? Yeah, and we were very happy that he managed to get through that season. And you think, oh well. What a player we might have here. Because the only reason he ended up at Villa was because he was good. Was his injury record mm. was astonishing, mm. 
and uh, nobody big time wanted to take a chance of getting a croc player. Well, Villa are in a position where this is a player we probably wouldn't, because you know we got him from AC Milan, we probably wouldn't normally get, but let's let's roll the dice on this one. It's similar to Ron Villar, but Larson's you know <laughs> Larson's a cut above him. I would I would yeah, venture, yeah. but he's somebody who had a bit of an well, he always went missing at Christmas, if I remember rightly. I, I always joked that he had a uh, his second job was. He had to be a Santa Claus in a uh, in a in a grotto in uh, Holland. So he'd, in a, he'd or he was in pantomime. He'd always go missing around Christmas. But anyway, Larson, where where would you put him? Would you put him? Would you consider him a Villa legend? No, he's cult favourite, isn't he? If we really, yeah, he's cult favourite. The club. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of you would have seen the framed uh, Villa eleven on the side of the Holt, which uh, the club are now starting to get to grips with how they're going to uh, fill those frames uh, for the you know greatest ever Villa eleven. Uh, the fan consultation group's being contacted. Uh, in the first instance to put together and well submit ten short a short list of ten uh ten players for each position and we're we're looking at it as the standard four four two so you've got two strikers left midfield you know right midfield two centers and then obviously the back four so they want uh, each of the fan consultation group uh, members to uh put forward ten candidates and I've spoken to uh, the patrons already to get them to send in uh suggestions for the uh, the list that uh, my old man said will put forward and but there's three uh, criteria one is you have to have played over 100 games for Villa uh, Larson around 90 I think so strike one two you must have won something significant with Villa Larson didn't and uh, number three all played in like a promoted team which uh, Larson hasn't so he wouldn't even get in on the shortlist for the greatest uh, ever Villa team so that suggests to me that you you couldn't give him legend status and hero he wasn't really a hero in the to the extent he was more frustrating because he was injured more and it wasn't really helping the team a lot of the time. I mean, I'm glad he had that great moment against Ajax, the goal, hmm. and also his celebration against uh, yeah, Everton true. when fans like to see, you know, passion and commitment. But yeah, I, I would go with cult favourite as well out of the three uh, potential labels, legend, hero, cult favourite. I'd say so, just because, you know, for, for a, a very good player, and he did chip in with goals as well, he yeah. was a goal-scoring yeah. defender. Yeah. But and from when I've you know, seen him interviewed, and he always came across a really nice guy, I actually bumped into him in Sainsbury's local <laughs> a couple of hours after the 5-1 win against yeah. uh, Blues. Him and Melberg were doing their shopping about two hours after the game, which was mad. What did they buy? What did but they buy? Avocados. God, it was worth hanging on to listen to this podcast just to get to this insight. Yep. But I just think because there's so much of what could did he have use been his with his card? career. Did he use his next card? Yeah. Did he, how many points did he yeah. have? Enough to get it off his bloody shopping, I bet. But because his, his career will essentially be a lot of what could have been. Did he buy any beer? I can hope so. Nah, they're, they're carry on, carry just on. on he's on the vodka. Yeah, because, he, yeah, because of his injuries. Was he buying ibuprofen? <laughs> yeah, he was, in, he, he, nah, he was on and the, the uh, steroid injections. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, we're talking about Larson. Uh, okay. Larson's shopping yeah, so, basket. Now, so, there's a segment. So, cult favourite. Anyway, just, just uh, <laughs> on an aside... <laughs> To, to wrap this show off, Martin Larson, overrated or underrated? Oh. Overrated. Oh. I think it's smack bang in the middle. Uh, uh, Chris Bird, how many times I have I told you the whole idea is that either you go underrated or overrated? That is the idea. There's no fence to sit on. This is horrible, this is. 
Ooh. Come on, Chris Bird, commit. Which way are you going? I'm going to say ever so slightly Ooh, under. Oh, slightly. There's no shades. <laughs> no, it is. It's ever so slightly under, just because of what... Underrated. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. I mean, you look at it that way. Uh, underrated, I think, is... Uh, especially when you're talking to me, it's like... Actually, I think Larson's underrated after uh, what uh, <laughs> that Michael's just said about him. <laughs> I mean, his shopping basket alone has gone in up in Dan's estimation. Yeah, I think. it's interesting. I mean, I mean, it's always made me laugh that we have all the all the players that come through Villa Park, and you know, I think he's because Larson was always so good with the fans, wasn't he? He's was a good communicator, and he's, yeah. he's played that side of it well. But no one feels the same amount of love towards like Ronnie Johnson or anyone like that, do they? That essentially the same, <laughs> essentially the same creature. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say underrated, ever so slightly underrated. I'm going to say. Oh. You just think if he'd have stayed fit another season, if, he'd have had if legs, that defensive he'd have partnership had have stayed, <laughs> he had a yeah. pair of legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, th- you think you know a couple of years down the line, like that, you know, the year we got to the cup final. If he'd have still had that centre centre back pairing with the with the you know, the, the forwards that had developed, there we'd have had a hell of a team. I, I I do hate the players that bring up the if mm. word, but he really is a, a, a you know. In, in recent years, a really big one. Who would have been deputising for him he when he was injured? Who would have been the player playing alongside Melbourne? Zed Night, Zed Night. One of the years. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the last year Larson was out would have been Zed Night before there you that. Go. That's why he's overrated. Um, <laughs> who would it have been before that? Cahill, Ridgewell got a bit of game action. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Carlos Coelho. Carlos Coelho. Yeah, because it was, it, it, when he came, it was O'Leary who brought him in, wasn't it? Yeah. Right, anyway, this, we've just mentioned a few names that no doubt we will see in the Phil future Bardsley. underrated and overrated uh, sections. Najran uh, Garyeb. You'll never beat him. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a good evergreen uh, section. Fernando Nelson. For pandemic times, so it works quite well. Uh, so anyway, we will uh, see how this uh, 2019 stroke 20 season does uh, eventually end. Please do subscribe on the podcast so you will uh, get notifications of when it pops up. Please do buy a mug so you can drink, uh, as Donald Trump suggests. Uh, <laughs> drink Dettol. <laughs> drink some Dettol from it. That's one way to end the football season. <laughs> so no, please do do not do that. But please do uh, check out uh, a mug and help us. Uh, it'll help support the show uh, if you do purchase one. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, gentlemen for joining me it's been truly a pleasure a pleasure truly a pleasure nice to have you back daniel that's all right it's good to be here do enjoy your weeks ahead and until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye David. <clears throat> oh dear. Dave.
Right, sorry, I'm just I'm just doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> oh great. <laughs> See ya. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.